the school you have now is the school I longed for mm -hmm. when I was here. But, but again, I'm not taking shots on right, the right. school back then. Yeah. But man, what a compelling vision the school has now. You're listening to the Karen 10 Podcast, where we bring our alumni back inside Karen University in just 10 minutes. This is our first ever special homecoming edition of our podcast, and we are joined by a very special guest today, Brian Loritz, who was one of our featured chapel speakers this week. Brian Loritz is the pastor for preaching and mission at Trinity Grace Church in New York City. He graduated from Cairn in 1995 as a pre-seminary major and went on to Talbot School of Theology. Recently voted one of the top 30 emerging Christian leaders, Brian is the co-founder of Fellowship Memphis, where he served as lead pastor of this multi-ethnic church for 11 years, helping to grow the church from 26 people in a living room to several thousand. Brian currently serves as the president of the Kainos Movement, an organization aimed at establishing the multi-ethnic church in America as the new norm and is a member of the Board of Trustees at Biola University. He has written several books and is the husband of Corey and proud father of three boys, Quentin, Miles, and Jaden. Brian, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Nate. Sure. I just read a little bio about you, but I was wondering if uh, in this form now you could fill in a few of the details of your life since you graduated here. Yeah, I graduated here in 95, left out uh, to the West Coast where I served at several churches. In 1998, I met the woman who would go on to become my wife, Corey, and we got married July 3rd, 1999. So we uh, just celebrated 16 years of marriage. That's great. Congratulations. And thank you. Yeah. And um, after serving at our second church there in Pasadena, so 2001, we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we had given birth to our oldest son, Quentin, in Pasadena, then uh, had our second son, Miles, when we were serving in Charlotte. And then God called us in 2003 to plant a church in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, while we were there in 2004, gave birth to our third son, Jaden. So, and uh, loved our time there at the church. And recently, God called us to New York City, and that's where I'm serving now. Excellent. Great, great. You spoke in chapel today. Yeah. Uh, very good response from the students, and we think people have an opportunity uh, to see that. But in case they don't, and they're just able to hear you speaking now, can you tell us a little about what you shared with the students in chapel this morning? Yeah, grateful for the opportunity to be here. I just took some time to just walk through Ephesians chapter 2 and to talk about the multi-ethnic church and um, how that's not a new thing. It's as old as the first century, um, and that's what God wanted to establish is a place where people surrounded by the cross of every nation, tribe, and tongue could love each other deeply and dearly. And, uh, and how we as a church are called to be a, a part of that. So it was a walk through Ephesians chapter 2, mm -hmm. that Christ in his death has demolished the dividing wall of hostility. And, and when would you say, you, you spoke to this a little bit this morning, when would you say that, that this became a particular passion, focus, and emphasis of your ministry? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think um, what began to happen to me, you know, I, I uh, served two churches in California. One was all black, the second one was all white. And then I started to speak around the country, and the events I'd speak at would either be all black or all white. And there was just kind of this, this is weird. Like, <laughs> you know, here we are worshiping the great reconciler, and we're voluntarily segregating from each other. 
And I just felt a burden to not just call out the problem in a prophetic sense, but to try to offer some hope mm-hmm. and, uh, and to be a part of the solution. So it was almost like a silent kind of prayer that, man, if I ever had a shot to lead a church, mm-hmm. I would want to lead something that would be multi-ethnic. Right, right. And, and then I got the opportunity to do it in one of the toughest urban centers in the country, mm-hmm. Memphis, and just was blown away by, by what God did there. Yeah, that's great. Um, you had the chance to speak in several classes today as well, and, and I'm curious, what was your impression of the students, uh, both in your interaction just walking around campus, in the classroom as you interacted, as I saw some of them just literally moments ago uh, speaking to you in the hallway after you spoke, what was your impression of the Cairn University student today? Um, insightful, welcoming, um, you know, whenever you talk about race, you don't really expect that much of a um, warm uh, kind of open uh, environment, but man, they were very affirming, very congratulatory, complimentary, and um, and very. They asked very thought-provoking questions in both classes. So was definitely pleased with what I saw. In a refreshing way, I um, I have felt like the environment here is a lot different than that the was environment. Go- I was going to ask yeah, you about absolutely. that. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, just even looking at some of the clothes the students are wearing, I'm like, <laughs> man, I would kill to be able to wear that back in the early 90s. Um, so you, you could you can tell, and it's not just about dress codes, but you can you can tell. I think the school is majoring on the essentials instead of minoring on on tangential items. Mm. So don't get me wrong, I loved my experience here. Mm. Really enjoyed it. Grateful for it. Um, but I, I think I caught the tail end of kind of the fundamentalist uh, part of the school, and. Most schools don't emerge out of that. And to see Cairn emerge and thrive, mm-hmm. turn the page, really speaks to the leadership of this institution and mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. That's great. When I had the chance to pick you up from the train station last night late, one of your first questions to me in the car was, so where do we get a good cheesesteak around here Gotta have one. <laughs> in the city of Philadelphia? Definitely. And I was wondering, and you spoke this morning a little bit about your nostalgia, too, for yeah. this area. Is there any one particular moment so far when you've been on campus or when you set, set down in uh, Philadelphia that you would say really has, has uh, promoted some nostalgic moments for you based on your experience here as a student? The pond was huge for me, just, <laughs> see, just seeing that. And I'm being serious because yeah. uh, when my dad dropped me off, and the Burgundy Ford Aerostar that we had mm. back in 1991. That's a great vehicle, oh Ford Aerostar, by I, the way. I took that thing to the prom. Ah, uh, nice. Yeah, didn't yeah. get a second date with her. That's <laughs> probably why. So um, he drops me off, just kind of gives me this, you know, rousing charge. And, uh, and then it's just kind of hitting me my first night here that, man, this is, uh, I'm a long way from home. And, mm. you know, I've officially kind of launched out. And, uh so I took a walk around the pond that day, and just I remember several walks, just crying out to God, just begging Him to do something with my life, and to see the faithfulness of God. Um, so the pond was it brought back some meaningful moments mm-hmm. of my mm-hmm. time here, yeah. yeah, and the chapel as well. You know, yeah. I spent a lot of time in that chapel. Right, first year we had to be here every single day. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. So, yeah. Um, but through it all, I mean, stuff stuck in a good way. So. Right. You kind of addressed this a little bit, but but maybe I could ask it more directly. What would you say is the single greatest change you see in Karen today? Or maybe the other side of that, uh, the thing that really has not changed the most from when you were a student? Yeah, so on one hand, um, just a fierce commitment to the Word of God. 
um, I just, man, in my own life, that just served me incredibly well. And I'm grateful to God for it and glad to see that legacy continue. So, you know, I talked earlier that some schools out of a more fundamentalist tradition kind of end up just dying on the vine. Or what you have on the other extreme are schools maybe who started out that way, but in an effort to find approval among secular schools, lose their salt and their, their effective witness and mission mm-hmm. in the world. I feel like, at least at this moment in history, Karen has done a good job by saying, look, times have changed. we, we got to ease up on some things, but we're still going to keep the main thing the main thing, which is we want to give our, our students an integrated approach to education, which is, by the way, how education started in this country. Mm-hmm. And that was Harvard and all these other mm-hmm. schools. That's you know very centered on the Word of God. Um, yet we want to... We wanna keep a free environment that's free of the trappings of legalism and other stuff. So I just feel like, um, I was telling the president, the school you have now is the school I longed for mm. when I was here. But, but again, I'm not taking shots on right. the right. school back then. Yeah. But man, what a compelling vision the school has now. Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for joining us, and uh, all of you alumni who are listening, thank you for listening. You'll have a chance to comment on the podcast on the web, or you can always send me comments or ideas in an email at alumni at cairn.edu, and be sure to visit us on the web at cairn.edu slash alumni for, among many other things, important links and ways to get involved.